Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the OT Lifestyle Movement Podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and the founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Today, we are talking about three different types of therapies. So we're going to be talking about craniosacral therapy, yoga therapy, and of course, occupational therapy. So if this is your jam, then get excited. Today, we are talking with occupational therapist, Alana Barr. Alana has worked clinically as an occupational therapist for 10 years across acute rehabilitation and community health settings with a wide range of clients. In 2014, she opened YoT, Yoga and Occupational Therapy. Welcome, Elena. Thank you. Great to be here. It is awesome so, to have you here. Congrats to you, Rhiannon. Setting up a um, OT podcast is pretty um, progressive. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm excited. Do you know what? I think it's needed and I find it's just an exciting platform. I think yep. we all learn best you know, we've got so many things on the go. I think if we can stick some headphones in while we're running or doing the dishes or sure. we're out yeah. and about, it's, um, it's just easy learning. Good PD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I'd love it first if we can hit the rewind button and yep. find out a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a long story, I suppose. I, um, I guess I might start with, uh, growing up in country Victoria. I, um, grew up on a farm west of Geelong and yeah, I, I suppose, you know, at school I sort of felt connected to, um, subjects like psychology and biology and PE and I guess like a fair few OTs out there, I sort of thought maybe I want to be a physio because I love to move and I love my sport as well. Um, but then, yeah, I guess moving towards VCE and I had a great work experience opportunity in I think year 11 with an OT and I felt that, um, yeah, it was kind of an avenue that struck a chord for me because it offered that kind of, um, awareness to someone's life and their health based on their, um, emotional and psychological health as well. So that kind of drew me towards the course. Uh, I actually studied in Geelong from 2005 to late 2008 and um, yeah from there I stayed in Geelong and started a rotational program at Barwon Health which is our main public health service here and that was really good for my learning. I had some great rotations and I'd finished my final year of OT in the area of neuro and um, neurology was something that really yeah spoke to me. It was it was um, perhaps this interest I'd always had in the brain and the nervous system and um, you know understanding I guess what really was driving people's function from all areas of their health and the brain sort of felt like it was um, a pretty important process for that so yeah I, I was moving through a rotational program here for about two or three years and um, then I decided it was probably time for me to do some travel and I went away to Africa and went on a bit of a volunteering mission and then headed to Europe and I was kind of weighing up trying to you know, go to London to work or return to Australia. And at the time, it was uh, 2011, I think, I returned to Australia. I went to settle back into kind of life as I knew it. Um, 
in a community rehab role. Again, it was in neuro at the time and really loved it, but just sort of felt like I wanted to see a bit more. So it took me then to Darwin. And from there, I kind of felt that my OT skills really had the opportunity to grow based on uh, some of the cultural um, experiences I was exposed to, but also learning through a real generalist approach. And up there, it was certainly about um, using your school set skill set sorry to its full potential and I felt like I got some really good broad experiences and that really helped me to reflect upon what I could um, afford the role that I was doing up there so yeah um, I certainly feel that OT has been a really nice um, thing for me to choose it's offered me the opportunity to travel and also really understand people's story around what it is they want from life and yeah that really um, really is what this is all about for me so yeah I hope that kind of answers your question as yeah. briefly as I can make it. <laughs> no, that covers it. I'd love to know how you got into doing the craniosacral therapy and yoga therapy and intertwining sure. this with yeah. OT because I can imagine it'd be a really beautiful combination and they yep. can really complement each other. Yep. Um, so yoga was something um, I had started in Geelong and I certainly felt that it afforded me um, perhaps some peace of mind. I certainly noticed when I first was exposed to some classes and improvement in my sleep. Not that I was a bad sleeper. I just noticed that, um, yeah, it was having these subtle changes to my everyday function that, um, that I couldn't sort of, you know, pin on anything else apart from having started up this practice. Um, yeah, I, I, from Darwin, I guess I started to engage a little bit more in yoga um, I was practicing really regularly up there because I was, you know, away from family and away from home. So it was a change of life for me. And uh, it really um, brought me into the yoga practice for the purpose of actually uh, connecting to, you know, I guess a change in life and a change in circumstances. And um, from there, it, it really started to spark an interest. And I remember a teacher that I uh, would often go and practice with had approached me and sort of indicated it might be, you know, a good idea for me to consider doing some teaching because I really started to take on um, an interest in the theory behind yoga and its history and also perhaps the spiritual element and focus of it for me to understand a little bit more about purpose and meaning. And that was really relevant to, you know, how we look at occupation. Um, so yeah, in 2013, I went and completed my first yoga training and it was really great. It was probably more as a personal type of thing for me to start out with. But then upon completion of that and then starting to do some teaching, I really started to feel um, there was a lot in what I was learning through yoga tools that I could be applying to, you know, my OT clients and particularly in relation to breath and um, meditation and mind body awareness that I felt wasn't really well um, delivered by me you know I think as OTs we would often look at something like energy conservation or fatigue management and we might say things like how about deep breathing have you tried some deep breathing but not actually then go on to support the person to learn how to breathe in that way and do it well so um, yeah there's been a lot that um, I've started to offer and yoga was um, sort of the, the big changer for me to kind of feel like I could go out on my own and do some private work and give me a little bit more freedom, I guess, around the idea of the relationship between these two modalities and how they support people in their health. And that's where that stemmed from. 
as part of um, what I offer with yoga, I, I tend to look at alignment for people and you might say that I, I guess I'm trying to support through a bit of a counselling avenue a person's relationship to their body and um, sometimes feel that people are quite separate from their body and can dissociate a bit from it and that then impacts their you know, connection to meaningful tasks and using their body for tasks and function but also you know, in relation to their mind and what it is that they're identifying with and also feeling, um, feeling motivated to do. So, yeah, I, I would look at adjustments and alignment a lot in my practice and also supporting people through the breath. So the main style of yoga that I've trained in is Hatha yoga, but I also come from practicing Iyengar yoga myself in the past and feel that there's a, um, a really nice... Um, you know, you could use all different styles of yoga really to support someone. There's a lot of different yoga out there. Um, anything that's really supporting people to kind of connect in with body and mind. And I think um, even their reflection themselves and understanding what it is that is driving them and giving them a bit of purpose is valuable in that um, blend. So, yeah, you asked the cranial sacral therapy. That kind of came for me a bit later. I felt like uh, at times I was really drawn to um, supporting people in restorative yoga. And there was quite a movement at, in um, 2014 in relation to looking at some data around the polyvagal theory and also starting to, um, you know, support this idea that life was becoming so busy for us and our central nervous system was perhaps um, feeling a little bit under, under attack. And, you know, were we in a constant state of fight, flight or freeze mode and... Um, this kind of generated a strong interest for me to, to explore um, how I was, you know, enabling people to feel like they could really uh, unwind and feel connected into their body and be able to switch on that capacity to relax quite freely and independently. And restorative yoga was an opportunity for that. But um, I was also starting to read up and I'd had a treatment myself in craniosacral therapy and felt that that was also an additional support that I could bring bring to the skills, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I went and did a training with Erin uh, Riley, who's a physiotherapist representing the Upledger Institute. She's based in Adelaide. That was always handy. Darwin to Adelaide flights were pretty easy. So um, yeah, I went down there in 2014 and started my first training. And um, that's kind of led me then to doing some additional training and now applying all these three modalities interchangeably when I work with people and feeling that it's probably yeah been the most um, supportive thing to my practice as an OT. Mm, I love that. And and you said you use the three modalities interchangeably. Yeah. Do you use them all? So in terms of your yoga and your craniosacral therapy, is do you use them under your OT umbrella? Are you using those modalities yeah. as an occupational therapist? Yes, I am. Yep. So I kind of feel I was really clinically. Um, in the neuro world in in the sense that i was following a lot of evidence base i really felt like um as an ot neuro was always going to be my passion that was the direction i was heading uh, but then i, I kind of really started to feel that whilst you know i was working with people who'd had quite significant um cvas or strokes or you know looking at progressive neurological disease i felt that i wasn't really supporting their mental health journey in the process i feel that you know under the medical model and in the context of rehab and Focusing on function, we can still sometimes compartmentalise our approaches with people. And um, the more I've worked, the more I've begun to understand 
the value of, you know, really going back to the theory and framework of OT to apply the understanding of all areas of health and particularly from that emotional um, and, you know, even spiritual side of things. And these um, uses now of yoga and cranio have really started to support me to, yeah, build upon understanding what, what I can really afford people I'm working with, what their goals are and how to actually help them achieve them. So, um, yeah, I do use yoga um, quite regularly with clients. I certainly still have a range of clients where I'm just doing more traditional OT, but then there are some too that would approach me um, that are, you know, just after craniosacral and isolation, for example. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, so what sort of OT services are you providing? Let's, let, I'm going to break it down. We're going to chat about OT, then we'll go to craniosacral, and then we'll finish with yoga. Mm-hmm. Who comes to you? Who are your clients? What sort of challenges do they have? Sure. I've got a fairly broad range of clients, to be honest. Um, I, I am still working a bit with that neuro cohort, so working um, a little bit with people who have had a stroke, uh, MS. And I am also working We so it's not just me in this service. We've got another OT whose um, background is in mental health. So um, she's also looking at um, movement therapy as a support for connecting to, I guess, um, what you might refer to as perhaps sensory modulation and integration support as well. So we offer mental health um, services and, yeah, we also, I guess, um, really for anything that's kind of impacted function, we're obviously about exploring the environment and AT or assistive tech options that might support people. But you might say that our, you know, passion and where we feel most supportive to people is through um, connection to self, through sensory uh, integration therapies. And that's what we're offering through our OT and through yoga and craniosacral. Mm, Awesome. Okay, let's dive into craniosacral. What is it? For those who have never heard of craniosacral therapy or have heard of it but don't really understand what it is and how it works, can you explain that for us? Yep. So craniosacral therapy is um, a light touch modality. So it is hands-on, but very light and subtle. And it was coined, or I guess perhaps first introduced through um, Dr. John Upledger. And it's through looking at the idea of the craniosacral rhythm and exploring the meningeal membranes that surround this and support the brain and the spinal cord. Um, the idea of, of the uh, application of light touch is to really support the central nervous system and also for, I guess, therapists to be able to kind of listen in and experience what's happening in people's tissues. And the connection that we're kind of looking for is through release of the fascial network. So strong interest in looking at fascia and um, perhaps tension patterns that can arise based on um, either illness or injury, but also experiences of people's psychological health and, you know, stresses upon them as well. So the idea being that if, um, if we experience, um, you know, a condition or a, an illness or perhaps uh, particular stresses in our lives that can build to anxiety or any potential trauma, that there is a, um, a holding pattern that could be present in the body and, through our craniosacral therapy support, we're aiming to kind of feel into that. And we also, you know, refer to people's stories and understand what um, is happening through them through getting history and information gathering through the OT process that we would usually do. 
but also I guess starting to apply um, helping people to feel in and connect into what's happening for them as well. So um, the feedback we usually get is it's, it's, you know, really quite relaxing for people and sometimes um, brings them into a moment of connecting into something that's happening in their body that they haven't been able to feel because they perhaps haven't been able to reach that, the depths of that relaxed state as well. So, yeah, quite a um, progressive kind of approach to health, but certainly starting to get some strong, um, strong interests, particularly in the area of, um, I guess, well, anxiety can be one, but also some of those other experiences that might be aligned to experiencing anxiety like headaches and migraines, um, difficulty learning and um, focusing and concentration. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I approach my craniosacral a little bit different. I don't get people onto a bed, which is usually how someone might have the treatment. So I like to kind of look at... Um, some breathing before a session and starting to, I guess, connect to people through a bit more of that yoga um, kind of therapy modality stuff and support them through using their own tools and um, supports that can bring them into a state and then applying the treatment itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you had an OT client who specifically came to you for an OT reason, yep. would you then suggest if it was, meaningful to them to sure. yeah to have yeah. this craniosacral therapy yeah i do i guess it's open um you know it's obviously information that we have available through our website for people to be able to read about but it's also something yeah if i'm referred someone who maybe just after something um from the ot perspective i would indicate that that is part of the service that um, we offer and it could potentially be a value for them if they're interested in it kind of really depends on the person and what they're presenting with as well obviously um, some people really, you know, don't connect to the idea of coming to me for the idea of a touch service as well. So, um, yeah, particularly in relation to COVID at the moment, that's not so popular. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a growing area and it's, it's interesting because it's something that I don't think is, um, you know, so well understood in any randomised controlled trials yet and, what I've always been interested in and found really difficult in OT is we're f f trying to find this evidence base that's, you know, through RCTs, but sometimes, you know, the largest benefit I've found through my work is actually listening to people's responses and how they feel that they're benefiting from the therapy. And that really guides me in what I'm doing now. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. You know, there's only so many things that we can measure. Some things that's can't right. be measured and yes. it's really listening to the client, as you said, because that, that's that's where the change happens, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really finding out from them what's, what's working for them. Yeah, and I think actually helping them to understand that they're part of the process. Sometimes I feel that there's been so much, you know, focus around this measuring that it's kind of like the outcome's always, you know, guided by something external to ourselves. And I certainly know when I feel most connected in my life, it's because there's some alignment happening within. And I think that that's something we can afford, you know, the people we're working with as well. Mm. I love that. I, I feel like there can be this big disconnect yep. between, yep. Sure. you know, what we're providing and the research, you know, like what's actually working exactly, and what the research is telling us. And I also find sometimes our clients know so much more than what the re what research is out yeah. you know they're, they're yeah. years beyond what research you know has been done so I think sure. really tapping into that yeah 
is good. So with the therapy, can you just give me a visual? Um, you said it was a light touch therapy. Yeah. I, is it just the head that we're touching here or is it the whole body? What are we touching? Yeah, not necessarily just the head. So we certainly have a um, focus towards the head and the spine. So Dr. Upledger created a 10-step protocol, which is um, you know perhaps the foundation from which the work is derived and then depending on, like I said, where, where there could be some additional tension held in the tissues, we might be guided to, say, um, the feet, for example, or um, what we can call energy cysts. Um, and, yeah, working with, with where we're guided to potentially based on, you know, the experience of feedback from the client, but also we're looking for some responses. So um, it can be that, you know, people might slow have slower breathing as the treatment continues or... It could be sometimes um, we get a lot of feedback through the stomach. So there's kind of as though there's a process happening through the digestion. Um, and yeah, you can, you know, I guess it's an experience that uh, with time I've began to perhaps feel that there is um, a trust in the person perhaps feeling comfortable with someone holding into their body. And when I say holding, like it is really such a light touch as though if you were to hold a five cent piece in your hand in the palm of your hand that's about the similar level of pressure that is applied um, and again like I said it's really dependent on the person and whether or not they're open to that level of touch open to touch at all sometimes it's about supporting parents for example if they're um, with children to be able to um, look at you know connection through that type of touch if the um, client's responsive to it um, but yeah essentially the 10 step protocol is really based around from the sacrum up to the skull and that they're the areas that we're targeting. And from there, just depending on what's happening, we can start to look at another process, which um, Dr. Upledger refers to as the matter emotional release for where we represent um, body patterns that relate to emotional kind of health and emotional instances or experiences, positive or negative, And what that kind of represents in how we map out the body essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And so coming back then to outcome measures, how yeah. do you measure the outcomes? Good question. So we do look at the rhythm, the flow of the rhythm. So we would say that usually there are six to 12 um, beats, if you like, to the rhythm. And we're trying to aim for, I guess, regulating into that, that level of, um, yeah, uh, a pace about the rhythm, you might say. Um, also, yeah, based on, I do a lot of work with the cop and that really guides guides kind of for my adults the experience that they're having through their function and just seeing if we start to look at craniosacral therapy a sub kind of breakdown of the goals and how they feel those goals are impacted by the experience going on in their body or their mind um, and then starting to you know review that after say three to six sessions we might be able to come back to that and get an insight as to whether or not they feel that the treatments have supported their experience of going about the goal um, so, yeah, I guess the other thing that we, I tend to really look at is video feedback. So sometimes, you know, it might be um, I ask a parent to, you know, look at providing me some video feedback of the context of, say, a child with ASD at home and how um, behaviour might be in relation to a particular pattern that they usually see at a time of day or something like that around um, some challenges that they might be having. And then starting to, I guess, ask them to monitor that and track that a little bit. And also um, sometimes providing some feedback to um, 
to the clients themselves. So it could be even in their interactions with me as rapport builds from um, the first session to later on starting to kind of video some of our um, interactions together just to see that response in the body, to see some levels of relaxation and to see that relationship building with me as well and give that feedback, which I think is, um, is really supportive for people to know that it's more about... Um, you know, starting to understand how they relate to seeing themselves in a positive state of mind and body health. And I think that that's, um, yeah, really just the message that we're trying to share from the start. And I think that really supports, you know, our clientele to open up quite freely about their experience. And mm. I think that the yoga and cranio have really supported that in my OT kind of um, offerings. Mm. Let's dive into the yoga. So yep. I know you have worked with a lot of different client populations for uh, yoga. Uh, yes. <laughs> Everything, I've written it down here. You've um, worked with kids with ASD, people yep. recovering from a stroke, women with breast cancer. Yep. I think this is amazing and I would love to learn more about the yoga therapy that you provide and, sure. yeah, and how it helps the different client groups. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's a good question, Rhiannon, because I'm glad you've actually picked up on the idea that there's quite a level of different population that I'm working with now because for a long time I thought it would just be neuro clients, neuro clients. That was my headspace in my early years of OT. And, um, yeah, I kind of feel that as times kind of continued on for me, the application of the yoga has really helped me to understand the individual experience a bit better. And to kind of to map that out, particularly through, you know, OT is really great in the way we're trained to observe and, um, you know, task analysis and all that stuff that you wondered what you were doing back at uni for a long time has really come in handy for me in approaching people through yoga and looking at um, how they move, how they connect into their body, how they're sensing themselves, but also sensing their relationship of self to their environment and their tasks. And... Um, yeah, you know, there's different feedback I can give you about each client group and um, I, I could give, for example, starting with stroke, you know, looking at stroke, there is potentially looking at a hemiparesis or the impact of one side of the body being um, not functioning as we've known it in the past or, um, you know, not functioning in comparison to the other side of the body. So there tends to be even people, um, you know, particularly as OTs, we're dealing with the upper limb where I've seen the upper limb starting to get referred to as Bob and it's got a different name to the actual person because it doesn't do what it wants, what the person wants of it anymore and things like that. So it's really starting to find acceptance for where someone's at in their body and supporting them to feel, um, you know, that there are strengths that they can connect to to support ongoing function from there. And likewise with the... Um, you know, experience when I worked with women with breast cancer, it was uh, largely about supporting women to find um, connection to what could feel good in their body. And that was quite an interesting group because we had women in the, um, in the throes of undergoing their treatment and people who had recovered as well. So there was quite a different range. It was really supportive just to have a group of women together that were actually supporting each other through their journey. And yoga was a nice place where I feel that there, um, there doesn't seem to be, you know, such a focus on outcome measures. It's not actually looking at, you know, the numbers to ensure that there has been an improvement. It doesn't matter if there is an improvement. It's entirely guided by the person undertaking the practice. Um, in, in relation to looking, I guess, at more yoga therapy and the therapy part of the yoga offering, 
um, you know, that there, there's always some potential need to consider what poses, what asana or um, movements we apply to a person are going to be supportive of what they're undertaking in their day-to-day life, but also in the context of their medical condition, if they have one or, um, you know, their body, body's limitations, but also their strengths. Uh, there'll be particular breath techniques that are going to be supportive as well. And um, uh, depending on whether or not, you know, in the context of women who had had breast cancer, we were also um, conscious of potential surgical support that they had had um, during their treatment and any scar tissue to really help with potentially opening up through their thoracic, supporting their breath and their feedback to their breath and sensing into that trust of that space again in their body as well. So, um, yeah, and like I said with ASD, there, there's certainly um, some really lo- lovely growing support for yoga and I kind of feel that for some time there has been perhaps a resistance to the word yoga and I've felt that as an OT trying to support people with yoga um, and I think there's some room for that to grow but it's really nice that that's starting to change now and um, therapists like yourself and a lot more out there are kind of getting into um, to the idea of these complementary therapies that really can guide us to do a bit more with our with our work so um yeah I feel like I'm going on a bit of a tangent am I answering your question no that's fantastic I think that's awesome and I know there will be so many OTs you have just given us so much information you know there's so much for us to download here yeah and I know there will be so many OTs who will be resonating with what you're saying I think it's fantastic the work you're doing different client populations that you've been able to work with yeah, I guess, sorry, on that, that's what was interesting. You know, you kind of feel, and I kind of feel that um, sometimes I feel a bit of pressure to go, well, what's your actual area? What area are you going to choose and what? But I, I feel that since I've actually started to apply these different modalities, that that's helped me to connect more to the person rather than the area of condition or the area of specialty based on what, you know, their label is around their health and um that's, yeah, really enabled me to grow a bit more as a practitioner, I think, because I was certainly uh, a little bit narrow-minded in what I thought the direction was going to be as to where I was heading and, yeah, to offer something that's a little bit more, um, less about, yeah, like I said, the condition and what we might call all abilities and to really understand the story of the person and to bring these things into their world, hopefully, like we said too, to, to be a bit of a tool for them internally to use rather than externally relying on, you know, a program or a particular um, exercise regime or whatever it might be, but just uh, helping them with that awareness that what they've got available to them is supportive for them to move forward in, into a nice space. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I you know, I work with kids on the autism spectrum and yeah. I could have two kids in front of me sure. with the same diagnosis yeah. and they're polar opposites, yeah. right? Exactly. So yeah. I think as soon as we do start to label, and I think, you know, labels are good, you know, yeah. they can help us and help guide where we're going. Sure. But when we only focus on the diagnosis or the label or the condition, sometimes yeah. it can limit our thinking as a yeah. therapist as to what's possible. And, yeah. and we don't take that client's story um, and really find out what is meaningful to them and how we can help serve them. Yeah. So I think you hit yeah. the nail on the head. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could speak forever. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on in terms of techniques and tools you use with yoga before we get into the three rapid fire questions? Uh, I guess that um, 
yeah, it's a combination of different techniques. Obviously, there's, um, you know, different breath techniques we can use and we've got quite a range and that really depends on the person. I sort of feel that, um, yeah, I've learned along the way that there are, there are some breath techniques that will work to really um, build someone's energy and some that will really help to um, ground people and support them to relax. So that's something that I'm looking at in, as part of their story but also in, in the way that we observe function. Um, yeah, there's the asana, so the poses that we can support. Um, and there's obviously some modifications that we look at there. So um, depending on where the person's at, it could be that they have a chair-based program. It could be that it's really that heavy work and pressure-based sort of therapy and proprioceptive input. Um, there's lots of different, you know, we just said before, you can go on and you really can go on for ages talking about this sort of stuff. And sometimes it depends on the stage of life for the person. The yoga can change. And that's certainly everyone's experience who talks about yoga. Sometimes they're drawn to a more, you know, um, more flow kind of uh, more intense practice. And at other times starting to use that more restorative practice that I spoke about earlier. And it's about, you know, learning the tools as to when you need which one. And I think that that's a really, really important thing that we can support in particularly um, people with ASD as to how they kind of identify with what their body and their mind needs in that practice to um, bring them kind of back to that optimal state of feeling great. Mm, awesome. Um, yeah. Well, we might head to the rapid fire questions now. We could go on forever. We might need to do a part yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> Um, number one, in one sentence, how do you describe OT? Oh, this is good. <laughs> I um, probably haven't prepped so well for this question because, uh, yeah, it's changed a lot for me over the years. But one sentence would be, um, I would say it's an evolving, still quite an evolving profession that um, really does have the right framework behind it to offer holistic and, um, you know, a client-centred focus. Yeah. Awesome. Number two, what's one healthy lifestyle habit, habit listeners can implement today? Um, I think coming, you know, breath and meditation, I realise that's two, but with number one, breathing, I really feel that when people start to connect to their breath and, you know, it, it's a really good tool to get some sensory feedback as to how you're breathing. And it's, um, it's a tool that we've got. And I kind of always come into this with clients. I feel um, so many of the people I'm working with, when I ask them to breathe, they, they will start laughing or they kind of get a little bit embarrassed or um, they don't really quite know what I'm asking of the question. And it's funny. I think that, um, yeah, we, until we're asked about it and actually really focus on it, we don't really know how the breath is traveling for us and what it is doing to, like I said, either ground us or support our energy to lift or to move. And um, yeah, I, I really think that to really understand your breath and how you can use different breathing techniques and to be able to use those according to what's going on for you in life is a tool for life and um, something that's available to you at any time. Very important. Love that. Awesome. Number three, last one. If you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? Um, one piece of advice would be, I guess, I feel that the OT um, theory and framework is, is really supportive for us to be um, kind of, you know, at the forefront of really supporting people through good listening skills, understanding their story and also, um, you know, applying 
what we know from that to uh, enable improved functional outcomes. But yeah, I guess that, that that's mostly come to me through reflective practice and it's something that I bring into my work quite a lot. So yeah, I think continuing with your reflection through your processes of work and um, yeah, really understanding your client through this holistic lens that we've been thankfully trained to, um, to look at people through. Ah, amazing. I love it. I love it all so much, Alana. Thank you so much. I have really just sat back and listened to you the whole time. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. We, we, that part too, um, there's definitely lots that we can share, but I really appreciate you having me on and it's really cool. I think that, you know, there's just this openness to start to discuss this stuff even because that wasn't around, you know, 10 years ago. So Absolutely. And that is exactly why I started this movement. That is what I found. And I found that there were so many other OTs who were doing their own personal work on their own, on their own journey and finding yeah. out what, what they're passionate about and what their niche is. But there's a lot of gray areas too, I suppose. And that's what we're also diving into in the podcast is, you know, can we incorporate this into our OT work? What are the, where are the lines drawn and sure. all that kind of thing? Um, yeah. Like you said, back in the day, you weren't sure whether it could all fit under the OT umbrella or whether it had to be separate services that you provide. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we're going to learn off each other. Sure. Yeah. Um, so where can everyone find out more about you and the services that you provide? And um, yeah. So media, let us know where you hang out. Yeah, you could head to our website, which is um, yo-t.com.au um, and get in touch by email if you're keen to um, have a chat or anything. And yeah, on our socials, you can find us on Instagram where Yo-T Yoga Room or Facebook pages Yo-T Yoga and Occupational Therapy. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Alana. Thank we'll you. talk to you another time. Okay, take care. Awesome. See you. Bye. That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already, come over and join our Facebook group family where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT lifestyle movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys. <laughs>